it is dangerous to take one step further and say, it could never happen here. That is irresponsible. You know, you put all your creativity, your creative mind into seeing problems before they happen. And that's only going to happen if you say, I hope it never happens, but it could. Welcome back, everyone. It is the beginning of November and was thinking about an episode that we did 60 episodes back in August of 2022. We had on Stephanie Maris, corporate attorney, who kind of talked about the legal angle of protecting your business in terms of liability and protecting your students in the school. But as Nate and I were thinking about how to wrap the year up, um, we thought, well, we, we didn't really talk about the owner perspective. We touched on it in that episode, and I'll drop that episode in the show notes, but we didn't really talk about the owner perspective in depth. So today we're going to do this in a panel slash roundtable format. And to do that, we brought on friend of the show, Greg Jenner. He's a returning guest, uh, and he's the driving force behind the Piano Express group piano curriculum. And Greg owns and operates two music schools in Northern Virginia. And he was one of the people that came to mind for me when I thought, about doing this episode. And knowing him personally, I I do know that he's put a lot of thought into child safety at his school. So in today's episode, we're going to get into how to protect your students, policies and procedures to put in place to create a safe environment, and how to prevent something tragic happening in your studio, obviously to the best of your ability. So Greg, welcome back to the show. It's good to have you back. So I want to just jump into this first question. Greg, why is this such an important topic for you? Yeah, well... Obviously, I am. You said it right. I'm. I'm not alone in the way I feel about child safety. We all care about it. Parents are dropping their children off at your studio, and you know they're trusting you to educate their children's minds. But there's also this unspoken thing. Okay, I'm going to go get groceries, and I'm going to be back in an hour or a half hour or whatever. And you're going to keep my kid safe. You're going to return my child to me safe and sound when I come back to pick them up. Child safety is something that I think a lot of business owners are uncomfortable talking about. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's an uncomfortable topic, you know, to, to think, you know, well, what if a child at my studio is hurt, injured, even abused? And it's something that if it's never happened at your studio, it's easy to believe that it can't happen. And so you don't want to think about it and you don't want to talk about it. If it has happened at your studio, you don't want to talk about it because you're like, oh, well, my, my business reputation. And so what if no one talks about this topic? Well, we could create a very, very unhealthy environment, an unsafe environment for, for the students. I think that this should be something, even if it's uncomfortable, I'm going to talk about this more. Leaders, people who are, who are good leaders are the first in line to, to face uncomfortable realities. And so um, I feel like this is such an important thing to talk about top to bottom in with the goal of prevention and if need be recovery. Mm. Mm. Where would you say a good place to begin would be? Cause that, that's some heavy stuff already. Where do you think we yeah. should start? Right. Um, well, I want to talk first of all about mindset of the owner. Like what, mm. what should your mindset be? Because I think that drives everything else. And from there, I want to talk about practical steps to take for prevention of injury, prevention of abuse. And, uh, and at the end of this talk, I do want to talk about some ideas that I would have for business owners if you ever do find yourself in the middle of 
uh, a triangle of, of an allegation of any kind. So mindset prevention, and then like what happens if, you know, if, if things go wrong. Okay. So we're going to start in the mindset. Now I do want to jump in and mention that Greg runs grouplessons.com. Uh, he's one, of, uh, which is one of the sponsors of this show. So if you're looking for the world's best group curriculum and method, then look no further than the absolutely ingenious system that Greg has invented. And I know I'm, this is a little bit of a downshift from what we're just talking. We've kind of shifted there, but right. um, you know, the studio that Greg runs is where this kind of all incubated. And um, piano, for, piano express from grouplessons.com is a very unique group method in that it does several things that no other group system in the world can do. It's a true multi-level system. It allows students to make individual progress in a group environment, and it has extensive teacher training that is included with the method and curriculum, and has an app that tracks student progress at home so you can see how much your students are actually practicing, where they're getting stuck, and the app even supports students and allowing students to move forward in their books, even when they're not in the studio. And uh, we have a lot of data that shows that most students are passing most of their music at home, which is really something that's nearly unheard of in our industry. I'd love to dive into mindset because I can say right now, Greg, that um, I have now adopted a mindset of this will happen. Mm. So how do we anticipate it? Okay. Um, And of course, I agree with you wholly. None of us actually want to address it because we're we're all working in an avoidance mindset. Mm -hmm. Like this could never, ever happen. I mean, literally just yesterday, this wasn't a student, but a teacher. We had a teacher that fell, went to the emergency room, and now there's a worker's comp claim. And this is like child safety. No, this is teacher safety as well. We're talking about the well-being of your employees, staff, and your customers. So I love this mindset of just saying, hey, guys, let's just own the fact that we're creating a safe environment. Mm -hmm. So now let's anticipate that there will be issues and then move from there. So where do you start with mindset yourself, Greg? I like to say, I hope, I hope nothing bad ever happens here. I hope my students are going right. to be safe, my staff. And we are going to talk about staff protection today because um, it, it, you, you have to keep your staff safe. It is totally. dangerous to take one step further and say, it could never happen here. That is irresponsible. And you're already mm. opening the door for pro- the irony is that can backfire and 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 you know if you don't have a keen eye to see oh this could go wrong this could go wrong i have this environment and there's this possibility that this could go wrong you know you put all your creativity your creative mind into seeing problems before they happen and that's mm-hmm. only going to happen if you say i hope it never happens but it could you know um, mm, nice. closing your mind and saying oh you know this is again uncomfortable to think about it could never happen is 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 not is not the mindset that i think we should have as business owners this is this podcast is called the seven figure music studio right we are talking mm. mo- on on most weeks you guys are talking about how to build and how to grow um today mm-hmm. we want to talk about how to prevent and possibly how to recover because obviously growth trajectories don't go straight up you know right. they dip they go down but how do you turn that down into a backup and so I think that's that's really where we're going to be focusing today. So Greg, practical steps? Is this a good point at which to jump to that? I I would like to go to some practical steps. I want to talk about how to set up 
employee rules. I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of employee rules and, and then rules for children, child rules, and mm. then studio rules, kind of studio setup. And you guys, if, if there's anything that you, that I've missed, Nate, of course, I'm sure you have lots of policies. Um, oh, yeah. If there's something that's on your list that's not on mine, uh, it's a round table. But as far as employees, I would say, number one, get a handbook. Have your employees responsible to sign off on a handbook. And anything that um, that you want your employees to understand, these are the grounds um, of, of uh, keeping your employment status here in good standing, you know, here's, here's the book. Um, do you want your um, staff to show up buzzed on alcohol? If the answer is no, put that in a handbook and make them sign it. Because if right. not, they're like, ah, I was just, a, I just had two beers before work. I'm fine. You know, mm. it's like, well, you know, if there's nothing in writing, then there's no grounds. And so uh, think about, what exactly do you want from your employees um, on on like um, uh, on on every level and create a, an employee handbook? There are good resources out there. There are you can just Google uh, 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 just basic like, templates for employee yeah. handbook. Copy yeah. it, read it, modify it, make it yours. Um, you don't have to invent it from the ground up. I mean that's a simple Google search. But I would say definitely start there. Um, you need an official handbook. Um, you know, I don't know if I would have thought, and I'm not in any way trying to be funny here. I don't think I would ever thought to put an employee handbook, the stipulation around substances. Just because oh. in my mind, well, who would do that? Like it's so out of the realm of possibility for, for me that I wouldn't even think to put it in there. But this is about thinking through all scenarios that could happen. So I'm really picking up on just, you know, the ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure angle of this. Nate, I wonder if you have anything that, that, (laughs) well, I I love your comment, Daniel. Yeah. Because I was like, I totally have no idea if that's in our manual because I wouldn't have considered it as well. So I pulled it up and I'm looking at, and there's a chapter entirely dedicated to employee conduct. There's a chapter dedicated to employ- to company property. Like, you can't take a box of pens right. from BMF because, well, basically, because we can't afford for you to do it. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> we'll gotta, but, but, like, it's just so wise, Greg, because I promise you we downloaded a template. We didn't even have a manual, an employee handbook, until, like, five or six years into BMF. Talk about your, I love your growth trajectory. It's not all up. There's dips where all of a sudden you're like, oh, you need it. We need a handbook. And so I'm sure we downloaded a template and basically we update it every single year. Mm -hmm. As new instances arise, Daniel, to your point, where we were just like, whoa, we didn't realize we needed Mm. to put that in writing. Right. Do you feel comfortable sharing like one of those additions, Nate? Uh, yeah, I'll actually, I don't even need to read it. I can remember a couple that we put in within the last handful of years. Like um, simple things like timeliness, tardiness, exactly when you need to show up. Mm-hmm. Like if the lesson's at three, you can't show up at three. Right. 
Even before Greg jumps back in, I would just say that, you know, collectively I can hear the audience scrambling to find their handbook. And do we have anything in there about when they're supposed to show up? Like this, this is like a good gut check for everyone listening. I'm, I'm even thinking about what (laughs) might need to change around here. So yeah, let me kick it back over to you, Greg. Okay. So I am not a big believer in putting a bunch of ultra specific weird rules in your policies for, for parents and families. Um, uh, I, I know there's books out there. Um, you can get at bookstores on weird state laws. I think states, um, have, uh, have had this thing. Oh, this really specific thing happened this one time and we're going to make this weird law to prevent it from ever happening. Mm, I don't think you should do that on your policies. My personal thing, if you look at my website, thepianoexpress.com and you look at our policies, it's all there. It's very simple. It fits on one page. Everything's common sense. Everything's pretty general. But for your staff handbook, you can get as specific as you want because there's there's implications there. Like if someone's going to lose their job, you don't want them to come back and say, well, I was wrongly let go of my job. You know, they, they might, you know, if there's any chance there's going to be litigation or blowback, um, you want to have it in writing in your handbook. So write a huge novel if you have to in your handbook and cover yourself. So that's, that's one. Uh, you need an official handbook. Um, <clears throat> my studio has a waiting room. My front desk person is uh, answering the phone, answering emails, handling parents, you know, the questions with um, uh, scheduling all, and all that, you know, policies, payments, accept, taking payments, um, updating credit cards. That's, you know, front desk. But the most important thing, and I tell my, my front desk people, the most important job that they have is to make sure that the kids walking in the door go out with their parents. Um, children are not allowed to leave the building Ooh. without their parents. They can't say, uh, oh, let me wait outside. My parents are going to be here in 10 minutes. Uh-uh. No, um, that we have a parking lot. We have cars driving through. I'm not going to have kids out of sight. And so I train my front desk to manage drop off and pick up, make sure that kids go home with their parents. Um, if parents are divorced, Um, I will let my staff know who those kids are because I don't know, I don't get into business like with the family's personal business, but if there's, I don't know if there's a custody battle, you know, but I do know that the number one, um, cause for kidnapping in, in the United States, it's not strangers, it's parents in custody battles. And so I, I don't go that far with my, my staff, but I just say, okay, Hey, this parent these parents are divorced. Just make sure when they're getting dropped off and picked up that everything looks happy and pleasant and there's no confusion. Okay. Like if the kid's like, wait, I'm not supposed to be going home with you this week. You know, I want the front desk to let me know if, if they're overhearing a conversation like that. So uh, these are, these, again, these are just, um, steps that I take in training, training my staff. Um, right. Can I add something to that? Yes. Um, because yeah, we, we have, we have, um, a, intake form for all of our families. That's, you know, just a part of an automated email sequence. And one of the questions are, uh, is rather, is the student allowed to leave on their own? Mm. And they, so the parents have to actually have to sign saying, yes, they're allowed to leave or no, they're not allowed to leave. The second thing I would add to that is, I I love this, we're hyper vigilant with who's leaving the building Mm -hmm. at BMF and whether or not they're leaving alone. But uh, I would add this other piece. Every single human that comes in the door, we call them by, we identify them by name when they arrive. 
It's like a, it's like a, when you say their name out loud, then you recognize their presence in the building. Yes. And we have, it, uh, we have had instances over the years where there's a parent that comes in and says, hey, I'm here to pick up Henry. Mm-hmm. And I'll look to the front desk person and they'll be like, they'll look at me like they don't know. They, they, don't pro- they can't process who Henry is uh-huh. in that moment. And you're like, no, 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 no. That is never, ever allowed. Like your number one rule, if you're working the front desk, is to know every human by name that's coming in and where they go. And we're yes. not, we're a nine classroom school. This is not a big building. Right. You know, this is a small <coughs> space, but we, so we can know all 45 or 50 people that are in the space at once. Yes. Yes, you know, especially so anyways, if you I wanted have to add the that. master schedule in front of your face on on a desk uh, on your desktop yeah. computer. It's like it's like look at the names, match it up with the faces. Absolutely, yeah. yeah that's um, it's so like knowing children's names is tied to child safety. I believe that. Go ahead, hundred percent. And I'll take it a step further and say that if uh, one wanted to be even more vigilant about this. The school that my son goes to uh, has a list, a card that parents have to fill out of every person that is allowed to take the child from the school. And it's on file with the school. And when I go to pick him up, I actually have to present a card made by the school. Right. To even be able to pick him up. So if you don't have, if I don't have the card, I have to go home, get it and come back. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I had a feeling like having this discussion with you guys. I'm I was gonna have to like take notes. I'm gonna have to rewatch this and and listen. To what you guys <laughs> totally. Wait, Greg, I had one other idea that I've always wanted to implement in the first four weeks at BMF, and we've mm-hmm. never successfully done it. So maybe this is the year that okay. you know we're gonna do it. But I've always wanted to have a name tag rule mm-hmm. for the first four weeks that every single student. And even parent, if you want to be so bold, but every student mm. gets a name tag, boom, stuck on them for the first month of school so that just everybody gets to know this name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because right? it's really, because that's, you're, I think it's so much deeper. You're absolutely right that the child's well-being is linked directly to if we know and recognize them because our awareness increases and therefore our care, right? Mm-hmm increases we're like oh i actually care about all these students maybe not just my own right so anyways back to you love it yeah we're still on employee rules what's the next one greg yeah what do we got here's some basic ones um employees can never be alone in a room with a child unless there is a 24 7 constantly monitoring and recording uh security camera i i won't put I'm at the place in my business where we've grown to the point where I hire other teachers. And even, even when I'm alone in a building or in a room with a child, I don't want to be in a room without a camera. I feel like the camera keeps me safe. Um, And uh, if, if there's no camera, then I will not schedule a class or, or a a one-on-one lesson um, with, with a staff and, and a child. Um, I also, all employees that work here at the Piano Express are required to fill out and comply with a criminal background check before they're, before they're hired. And I will say, I, it took me a few years 
to, to pull, like I had in my head when I was a new business owner, this is something I should do. But every time I tried to research, like, where's the company that it, I got confused. Okay. Like I didn't know who to call. I didn't know who the people were. So here's the thing, everyone listening to this podcast, we are going to put a link to the people that I found because they hmm. are so good. They're called youth protect sports because they work mostly with sports teams with children on sports teams. But when, when they found out I was in music school, they're just like, we, we've worked with so many music schools, <laughs> you know, um, we, we were not uh, their first music school, but, but they, they have the word sports in their name because that's the, their um, biggest slice of pie. But they've been so good and so easy to work with. Um, they made everything clear. Um, so if you do not have a criminal background check filter for all of your staff to go through, click on the link that is going to be provided here and, and get in touch with Roxanne. She's my lady at, uh, at this company and, uh, and, and you guys will be better protected. Greg, we just, a quick chime in there. We do the same, just like you. It took us years before we started doing it for every hire, um, mostly because probably like a lot of our listeners, like our initial employees were a whole bunch of friends of mine. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're not criminals or have no background. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, anyways, as we grew, we got a little, we matured as a business. And I think it costs like a hundred bucks a report or something like that. So just for those of you that are listening or trying to figure out what the actual cost and Greg, I don't know what yours costs, but we, uh, we spent about a less. penny. Um, call nice. Wait, I'm clicking on your link. <laughs> okay, good. So, so we're not putting the BMF link in the show notes. <laughs> we're only putting Roxanne's link. So we don't put cameras in the classrooms and we've gone back and forth on this for years. Okay. And I'm just saying that out loud. So if some people are listening and being like, ah, I need to install a system, understand that like we don't do it and we see thousands of students a year um, in our program. And right. um, I'm just saying we've chosen not to because we've weighed the pros and cons of, of whether um, teachers are comfortable with it, et cetera. And we decided not to. I'm not saying we wouldn't. I've always wanted to do it because I'm such a huge proponent of capturing content and helping us level up our product and like for training purposes, but we don't do it, but we do have cameras in our, you know, we've had them in the community spaces. Right. So yes. um, Yes. Anyways, I just wanted to share that. Everything we're sharing at this round table, uh, none of it has been etched in tablets of stone. Um, We are just sharing ideas and there's, there's no perfect, uh, right or wrong. You know, these are just ideas. And I think that the best way to listen to this episode is to just cherry pick and say, okay, this one's for me. Uh, this one's probably yeah. not for me. And that's fine. You know, as long as you are building the safest space that makes sense for your studio and your community. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So the uh, wrapping up employee rules, <clears throat> employees, physically touching children. Okay. How does that work? Um, if a child's hand position is, uh, just, uh, one note off, can, can a teacher just pick up their hand and move their hand, you know, rather than just point and say, you need to move down one. And the student moves the wrong hand or moves up, moves the wrong direction. I mean, you can waste a lot of time and, you know, time is precious in a class. It's like, I just want to grab this kid's hand and move it. Um, we, we ask our staff to always ask permission. Okay. Um, yes. And and so yes. the way smart. it will work is is in class. I'll say, you know, your hand needs moved down a note. Can I can I just move your hand for you? And the student will either nod their head yes or shake their head no. And if they shake their head no, I I I'm 
I'm going to respect that. I'll say, okay, well, then you have to move down a step. Um, And so you just ask before you touch. That is a policy at my studio. You do not not just touch children. Um, uh, Physical contact. Yeah, I want to jump in there for just a second Mm -hmm. and just say that I was so fastidious about this that it actually changed how I taught. Mm -hmm. I got good at using really specific language so that I could get a child to have a physical movement in their hand without me having to touch their hand. Mm -hmm. So getting into the mind of a six-year-old and and helping them to manipulate their hand without me physically touching their hand, it took a lot of thought on my part to know how to use words to to cause those things because I just tried to avoid physical contact as much as possible. It became more challenging as students got into higher levels of artistry uh, in intermediate and advanced music. And at that point I did ask for permission, especially as those kids were also getting a lot of times into the teen years. And then that just gets weird. Um, But it's very, very different from one of the Brazilian teachers I had that would just smack my arms, you know, in, um, in college, uh, you know, but yeah, those days are long gone. So anyway, Greg, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. And there's real benefit to taking these words to heart because you can level up your teaching craft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Asking a student to observe my hand and see what the difference is between her hand and my hand is a much deeper lesson than even, uh, you know, than moving their hand. Yeah. Like to your point, Win the quick battle, but lose the war. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Totally. So, and that's just, I mean, you're so dead on, Daniel, too, with this idea is that as they age, your relationship with the student changes. And you, like speaking to Greg's language, you you get permission. And things like body awareness, I mean, it becomes a totally different sport as they're, as they're leveling up in terms of having to get them become much more aware of their body. And a lot of times, touching a shoulder, things like that are huge releases for them to become aware and and so you need to have that permission, but yeah, it's yeah. a really good point. You you don't yeah. know what's going on with a student. You just don't. And so you you have to respect the space. And I can just think back to students that the body language they gave off was very it was just very open. You could tell they felt comfortable. But then I I know students that I don't know if they were just shy or introverted or maybe they're just having a bad day, but you could just read the body language and know that that they were they were not as comfortable, you know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I'm not going to rely on my read of someone. That's why you right. ask. Yeah. And this That's goes go for, back to Greg. This ask. goes, yeah, this goes, you know, this is, I'm very aware. This is three guys talking here, but I think this goes no matter if you're guy, gal, like whatever. Um, I think it's just a matter of respect versus, you know, I'll just leave it at that. So anyway. Yep. Yep. Um, so the last thing that I have on um, with employees is, um, and and I'm, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. This one I'm behind schedule with. Okay, but I, mm. I want my employees to complete a CPR certification course, um, and I provide the the scheduling, and and I, I as the employee will will pay for that. So again, like what happens if a student's choking? 
uh, and none of my staff uh, know the Heimlich maneuver. Well, that's a, obviously that's a huge preventable thing, you know? And so I want my staff to have basic CPR. Um, I have um, uh, a place in town that will offer the course several times a year for anyone that works with children. And, um, and so doing this episode, I'm, I'm reminding myself, it's like, I got to schedule that because some of my staff are, uh, are, uh, behind, behind in that, but, but that is a, a you know, great thing to have. We do it, Greg, but we only require one person on site to have it. Mm. Okay. So that's an, but I, but it's cool to see that that's on your list. Um, I like yeah. how you've leveled it up to everybody so that you've got a backup to your backup to your backup. Right. You know. Yeah. I always worry like if someone like calls in sick and I have to call a sub, uh, I, you know, I, I just want to make sure that the sub is just as ready for an emergency as the, the, the plan A person. And I will point out that Greg has a lot fewer people on site because of their class, because they're just primarily group piano and they're mm-hmm. right, you right. Know, seeing so many kids at once. I think it's like yeah. 45 bucks. Again, I'm just here. I am like the dollar. So I'm like the dollar police. That's all right. You're going to tell me that it. it's like 10 bucks where you are. No. <laughs> the government provides it for, as a free service here. No, I'm what? just kidding. I'm, no, I'm joking. Yeah, I'm, joking. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm moving to Virginia. <laughs> yeah. It's not bad. Okay. Anyways, just for those that are tabulating the cost to Daniel's yeah. point. It's, it's really, it's affordable. And, and it's like, no matter what the dollars is, you know, when we're dealing with safety, you just fork the, fork the bill and, and uh, make it pretty right. safe. Yeah. Um, Okay, so if it's okay, I want to I want to turn my attention from what I expect from employees to what I expect from my students because the the number one person that is going to keep a child safe is the child. You know, the child has to like basically follow some basic rules and keep themselves from from uh, from getting, especially when it comes to injury. So um, absolutely no running. In, in my building. Like yes. I, I, we have a summer camp and we have kids that want to play tag and hide and go seek. And I have to be like the, the old uncool bad guy and be like, you can't run in the building. No running in the building. Uh, I mean, our pianos are not wrapped in foam, you know, bubble, bubble wrap. Uh, they have hard corners. If you fall and hit, you're going to go to the, you're going to get stitches. And, uh, and so we have, have no running. Um, that's uh, a hard rule to enforce. We are training to that in our community room, especially in the halls. Yeah. Just saying it out loud. If you're like, no running, of course you should have no running. Just understand that you're going to be using that language often or your desk person is going to be using that language. Yes. Or, and we actually, Greg, you have to train the parents too. Mm-hmm. You have to be like, parents, who's ch- you know, we need this. This child's not, can't be running. Right. And, and if I have, like, I've had to, I've had to get down on eye level with a 12 year old and it's like, I'm 12 years old. I'm not going to run into a piano. I'm not going to fall over. And it's like, yeah, but the five-year-olds are watching you run. And it's the five-year-olds that's going to get hurt because you're making stupid decisions. Um, You know, if if you're 12, if you think you're old enough to run, then you're old enough to hear the word stupid come out of my mouth. (laughs) 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 I'm putting that in the promotional material. Okay. So I'm just going to quickly go through the rest of my child rules because a lot of these child rules are just a reflection of employee rules. Um, So children should never be alone in a room with a teacher. I want the teacher to know that, but I also want the student to know that. Okay. I want the student to know that something is wrong if they're in a a room alone with a teacher. Um, 
obviously, if God forbid, if, if God forbid, if we ever hire uh, someone who who um, is uh, a perpetrator of abuse, you know, they're not going to tell the student, you know, oh, hey, this is a rule. I want the children to know the rules too, and so mm. that's that's something I communicate that's to both so smart. Uh, staff and staff and children. Wait, what about in private lesson? We do cameras and we also have like this is this is a private lesson room if you're watching this on video we have this big window in the door right um, totally. so people walking by in. can see so um in the most so high traffic area in the studio that's the most high traffic this, area in the this studio this is the hallway yeah and yeah. so people are always walking by um and so yeah we have a camera and a window um and and so yeah that's 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 our thing cuz we do have private lessons and but but I don't want a staff and a child to be alone in a room, out of view. Um, there you go. Uh, okay, dig it. So uh, then drop-off pickup, I communicate that same rule to children. You can't wait outside. You have to stay in the building until someone picks you up. Um, and uh, one thing that uh, that I have about being potty trained, because we we have children that are, that are so young, they're not potty trained. A parent absolutely must stay at the studio if their child is not potty trained. We, we are mm, not yeah. going to have a staff... Take a child to the bathroom. Uh-uh. Mm. Um, I'll have a child pee their pants if the parents go out and uh, and and get groceries if the child's not potty trained. I'm just like, sorry, you know, we're not we're not doing this. Um, mm. So that's that's another rule. I guess that's children, but we also communicate that to parents of very young students. And that wraps up our child rules. Um, I also want to go quickly through just a couple things that we we have for our studio itself, the way we set up our studio. Our studio carries liability insurance. Uh, if you have a studio that's uh, that's bigger than you, even if even if it's uh, you teaching private lessons in your own yeah. house, you should be an LLC and you should have liability insurance. It's uh, it, it costs some money, 100%. but it, it definitely like protects you um, from from the costs that would ha- that would come if there was ever any kind of litigation against your studio. So um, I'll just add in there that yeah. a mul- a multi-million dollar liability policy is usually only a, hun- a couple hundred bucks a year. Yeah. So there's no reason not to carry it. Keep going, Craig. Yes, absolutely. Um, constantly communicate these safety rules. Whatever rules you have, you need as an owner to constantly be communicating. I think Nate touched on this already. You can't just post it on the wall and let let it kind of disappear on the wall. You need to constantly, mm-hmm. as things come up, if you see children run, you need to say, hey, remember, there's no running in the building. If you if you um, see something that is out of policy, if, if there is a front desk person with their nose in their phone, scrolling on social media while people are coming mm. in and out of the door, I'm, I, I will say, get off your phone and watch these kids. Mm-hmm. Keep them safe. You know, yeah. um, so constantly reinforce the environment that you need. If you're the leader, if you're the owner, you are the, you're the owner of the environment, not just the physical building, you know, not just the numbers, you're the owner of the atmosphere. And so you constantly have to be communicating what you want. Um, So um, again, security cameras, that that's my preference. I, I, I have that as part of my setup. Um, I have a uh, first aid kit in our kitchenette area. So if we ever need Band-Aid, first aid cream, whatever, uh, we have that ready. Um, And then the last thing I'll say about the studio is we completely childproof it, okay? Totally. Um, If you do not have, if you're not a parent 
yet. Um, you've never had to childproof your house. You probably need to Google how to childproof a room right. because there's things you're not going to think about covering um, electrical outlets um, in uh, just, just making sure that sharp corners are not like right in the middle so that people are going to walk into them. Um, just, mm -hmm. just Google basics on child, uh, child proofing spaces and, and follow that. But one for me, uh, piano benches. Um, I strongly prefer piano benches that do not open and close. Uh, we had a couple benches that came with the pianos that do have the, the hinges and the lids. Those are little traps for fingers. Um, I have mm. uh, duct taped them shut in the past totally. um, just so they won't open. Um, if we have any benches that will open, I always turn the opening away from where the students sit. So the hinges are the closest to the piano and the opening is behind them. That way, you know, if they grab the front of the bench and scoot the bench, they're not going to flip it open and then sit on their fingers. Uh, I, I think those of us that have been around opening and closing piano benches enough, you know, you know that. Uh, so be careful with piano benches. I would recommend you just uh, glue them shut, uh, figure out, you know, it, it's a nice place to store books. If you have a very small studio, but I'd say store them on your bookshelf and close the bench yeah. for good. <laughs> Screw Wait, can shit. I just jump in, jump in here and go back to your childproofing comment? So mm -hmm. a lot of our listeners won't have kids. And you're absolutely right. They won't even really know what they have to do from the list of childproofing. But I want to just offer a perspective. So for me, like out electrical outlets, like I come from the world of, you know, um, recording studios, touring, etc. So power is everywhere. And when mm -hmm. I set up a band classroom, which a lot of our listeners will have, I want outlets everywhere, right? Because I, I'm thinking about being able to have gear set up in, into the ideal teaching environment, rehearsing environment, songwriting environment. Mm -hmm. And yet, I have to go to, I have to trust when someone says, okay, we can do this, but we need to run all cables along the walls. We need to make everything hidden so kids aren't going to start reaching for a power strip, et cetera. And the just simple little plastic things, as annoying as they are that are in the outlets, need to go there. The reason yeah. why I say all this is because if you're listening back to your comment, Greg, about where to cherry pick and what to use and what not to use, there are certain pieces here you should, you should absolutely cherry pick. Yes. And one of them is, if you have children in your studio, ages 6 to, say, 11, then don't skip this piece. Yeah. Even if it's annoying to you. Yeah. Because it was covers, annoying to me. <laughs> yeah. If you're not using an outlet, you need to cover it up. You need, you need yeah. You yeah, yeah. So it's basic, Absolutely. simple things, but, but take this piece and shift your mind, because that's the purpose of this whole episode, mm -hmm. is to move your mind towards a more safe environment that you own. Okay, onward, Greg. Okay. Well, I'm going to turn a corner, and uh, we've talked so far about prevention. Uh, what happens if you find yourself in the middle of an allegation? Uh, what happens mm -hmm. if your business suddenly, you know, you had plans to go up, 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 and now it looks like things are about to take a hard turn down, and you're going to have to go into recovery mode? Um, what do you do? And um, for this part of... Our, our talk, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit open. I have run my studio for 13 years. And when I opened the studio, I had a, this is never going to happen to me mindset. 
Um, and we did have, um, in, in our 13 years, we've had one incident where um, there was a report of abuse and law enforcement did get involved. And so mm. I'm speaking from some experience. I'm going to say, mm-hmm. I'm going to assure my listeners, there's going to be no graphic details, you know? So if, if this is a sensitive I- issue for you, you, you can keep listening. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to respect that. But I do want you to know that I'm coming from a place, unfortunately, of, of experience. I would say in my 13 years of running a studio, the two most stressful things that I've had to go through was the COVID shutdown. And then this incident here that I'm going to talk about. Um, mm. Uh, it was not fun to get into. It was not fun to go through and it would, it didn't have a happy ending either. Um, if you find yourself in the middle of this, uh, it's not going to be a Disney movie. It's, it's not going to have a happy ending. It's probably going to end with a bunch of people taking sides with lawyers and no one's allowed to talk to each other. You're not even allowed to say, you know, I'm sorry this happened. It's just people disappear and go away. And you're just kind of left with nothing to do, but think, how am I going to move forward and have a safer space? And so part of, Daniel, one of the reasons why you said, why is this such a passion of mine is because uh, I've, been, I've been hurt. And, uh, and so mm. I will say, if, um, if a parent or a child ever comes to you and says, something happened to me, you know, and they describe a situation that sounds abusive, it is very important to do two things right away. Number one, do not take sides. You have to listen and mm-hmm. you don't take sides. And number two, you have to report everything you hear to Child Protective Services. You have to go to law enforcement. Um, these are two things that I didn't know. Um, I heard uh, what happened in my studio is I had an angry parent come to me and say, you know, my child's describing something that's happened to them at a few of their lessons a couple times. And I didn't want to believe it because I knew the staff person. Um, uh, I wanted to side with my staff. Okay. I just said, don't take sides, but of course it's natural. And we're going to talk about this a little bit. It's natural for studio owners to want to side with the staff. It's like, Oh, Oh no. Okay. If a child says this happened and a staff says, no, this didn't happen. Someone's lying and someone's telling, someone's telling the truth. And you want to hope that the staff is telling the truth. Cause if the staff is telling the truth, then you don't have a problem. But if the child's telling the truth, then you do. And, and so it's really easy to take sides, but I'm telling you, you can't, you have to listen objectively. Um, I had, um, I had the parent of the staff person corner me and say, how could you even think there's even 1% that my, my child could do this to another child. And, and Mm. I, I didn't know what to say, but looking back, I should have just said, I have to be objective right now. I can't take sides, but I didn't know to say that then. Like if I could go back and and say, Knowing now, right. you know, you can't, you can't afford to take sides because it compromises very important conversations that you're going to have to have in, in, in the near future. Okay. Reporting everything to CPS. I, I didn't know I was supposed to do that too. I, I'm lucky that in my network, I have uh, one of my wife's best friends is a, um, a family counselor. And so we asked her, mm. we were like, what are we supposed to do? And she says, you have to report this. You call and you are like a parakeet. You are like an amplifier. You just plug in and you say what has been said to you. You say it on the phone to this person on the other end. And I thought, you know, this is a little overboard. You know, it's like, okay, well, Mm. I don't even know if this is true. 
You know, I still, I, and, 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 and she said, it's not your job to figure out what's true. It's your job to report. And so, uh, you know, I'm thinking all these things. Why doesn't the parent report it? Why do I have to be in the middle of this? Why am I, so I pick up the phone. I do what the the person told me to do. Okay. Um, And I was under the understanding that within two or three weeks, I might get, or I might not get a call back from child protective services to just follow up. Mm. Okay. And so I was nervous. I was like, okay, I got to wait two or three weeks and my stomach's in a knot. It's like, this is, how is this going to resolve? I already told the staff person that they can't continue work while there's this angry parent that probably wants to strangle them. Uh, You know, so they're out of a job and I thought it might be unfair. They're out of a job. What happened next was a surprise for me. I didn't have to wait two weeks. I got a, I got a visit um, two days later, not from Child Protective Services, but from a private detective in the police force who informed me that my studio, unbeknownst to me, was already under investigation because this was not the first claim from, mm. from this staff person. Um, they, they were already investigating another claim from another student. And so had I not made that call, this person might have... Um, uh, continued at our, at our studio, or, or at least the investigation process would have gotten drawn out a lot more. And so I, I learned really quick that these rules and these protocols are there for a reason. Okay. So mm. let me reiterate. Number one, don't take sides. Number two, report everything you hear to child protective services. It's not easy. It's not fun, but it's important. Okay. Mm. Can you talk about that meeting with the detective in terms of just, first of all, what was your, like, just as an owner, what was your emotional reaction to that in that moment? And then secondly, how did you actually move forward without uh, just a mind that was freaking out, (laughs) if it's even possible? Could you just share from the perspective of your own, just as an owner, trying to do the right thing in every instance? So I, I was, as I came to understand a clearer picture of what was really happening, I was grieved that my studio, you know, is a place where, you know, I wanted to be a place where children come and learn and they're safe, you know, and, and the fact that I wasn't, it wasn't my fault, but it's like, it happened here. And, and, um, and, and it was just a, it was grief, I think, and and there's no way around it. And but yeah. but I think that the one of the shocking things to me was how I could see that this law enforcement person it was it was this person's job to just they, they've been through this conversation a thousand times, and it was my yeah. first time. And this yeah. person was just so conditioned to face pushback from business owners, and 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 mm. this this law enforcement agent kept saying, you know, I'm really surprised at how much you care about your students. I mean, we see a lot of business owners just trying to protect their business. And I, I would, and, and, and I was just, you know, I, That's I, like, I wait, believe that. I'm just like, you know, in a situation like this, where people are hurting, it's like, you want to really focus on the people first. I'll, I'll worry about my business later. And, and I think mm. that that was one of the things that helped law enforcement trust me um, I think hmm. that on, on, here's a big backfire. This is a little bit of irony. If you become overly, if you ever do have to talk to law enforcement, if you become overly protective of your business and you start unfairly siding with your employees, 
law enforcement is going to pick that up. They've seen that a thousand times. They're going to not trust you. And now mm. you're not for them. You're against them. Um, the law enforcement can very quickly turn sour on your business and things can get very bad because you wanted to protect your business. So um, yeah. be careful. Mm. Um, there's, there's a little bit of irony. If you can just let go and really focus on the people, focus on really what matters, then you're actually yeah. keeping your business as safe as as can be. Before you go forward, Greg, I do just want to point out, and this might have gotten lost in the subtext, but this accusation has happened. That this uh, team member that was the subject of this investigation, um, they had gone through a background check. So Greg, Greg had done all of the things that he's saying here, and this still happened. This is why at the outset we're saying, like, you can't go into this mindset that, that uh, oh, it can't happen here. Even with the precautions in place, right. uh, you know, something like this can happen. Again, not trying to be fatalistic, pessimistic, that sort of thing. This is about having a wake-up call. This is about knowing what you need to do in a situation like this if it were to happen. So anyway, keep going, Greg. Right. Um, if law enforcement ever does get involved, and if you get in the middle, okay, if you ever have to talk to law enforcement, I will say two things. Number one, tell the truth to law enforcement, okay, all the way down to the details. If you're taking sides, it's really easy to, like, say the details in one way when you're talking to this side and another way when you can't, you have to stay objective Mm. because if you end up bending, twisting, breaking the truth in, in, in a criminal investigation, then you are now part of the criminal, (laughs) you're, you're part of the crime. And so it's very important to just measure your words. And I will say this, if, if you know who the family is, that has brought allegations against your staff. And if you believe that there is any chance that there's going to be repercussions against your studio, then you should not talk to a law enforcement agent without the presence of a lawyer. Okay. Now I said already, you don't want to be overprotective of your business, but you also have to be smart. Okay. Um, If, um, if part of the, Law enforcement's job is to build a case against your studio. They know what questions to ask and they know what to draw out of you. And you don't know what you're, you're supposed to say and not supposed to say. And you might say the wrong thing. And all of a sudden there's like, there's, there's, there's things that, that can be used in a case against your studio. A lawyer knows what you're supposed to say and not say. And so if you're, if you don't, if you're not sure where these allegations are coming from, you know, respectfully agree to meet to like if, if, um, if a law enforcement knocks on your door and says, Hey, we need to talk, just say, great. I want to talk to you. I want to set up a time. And I want, I wanted to just be in the presence of my lawyer just to keep, to keep me safe, you know, and, and that, that'll be that. That's a good smart move. I want to jump in on this and say that in the show notes, I'm going to put a video that I saw probably 10 years ago. It is maybe this video left such an impression on me. It's by a professor at one of the Ivy League law schools. Can't remember which one at this time. Um, but it is he is addressing a, a class of of young law students, and it is a forty five minute lecture on why your client should never talk to the police. Mm. 
And he's actually quite witty. He's actually very engaging. Um, I've actually watched this video on more than one occasion just because you really get a look inside the legal process. And, and he talks about one of the first things he addresses, especially if they plan to tell the truth, they should not talk to the police. And, and then he spends 45 minutes explaining how the legal system is set up to trap even innocent people. And um, I'm just going to leave that in the show notes. It's very much worth a, a, a watch. Keep yeah. going, Greg. I think maybe I got lucky because I never had a lawyer behind my back as a business mm-hmm. owner. I just, uh, I wasn't really even all that involved. I had one, two conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but but um, yeah, I these two pieces of advice will stand. Uh, yeah, 100%. Don't take sides. Do tell the truth. And, uh, and, and if, yeah, and then watch Daniel's video, cause maybe, maybe like not talking to the police without a lawyer is, is probably a smart move. Like looking back, I can say I probably, I put, probably just didn't know any better. And I probably put myself in a precarious situation. Um, we opened up with mindset. And so if it's okay, I want to close this talk with mindset of recovery. If you are unfortunately put in a situation where this is your only path Ooh. forward. You're hitting a setback and you're going to have to face recovery. People don't want to talk about abuse. I'll tell you what, this, this conversation that we were having today in, in a lot of ways is uncomfortable for me. And, and even with the listeners there, you know, you're going to, you're there, there's this fear that I have. It's like, Oh no. Well, his studio is not just a place where you learn music. It's also a crime scene, you know? And right. so what about my reputation? You know, what about yeah. uh, what everyone thinks of my community thinks about me other, you know, and so it's very tempting for me to just get quiet and sweep this under the rug and pretend it never happened. But I passionately care about the safety of children. And I think it's important for us as business owners to be free to talk to each other and say, here's what I've learned. You can take some of the mm. things that I've learned and maybe your studio can be a little safer. And so I'm willing to put even my studio in a precarious place to, to spread awareness and, and maybe mm. some better safety measures. A lot of you, I'm sure maybe all of you have heard people say, you know, my business is my baby, right? My business is my baby. Um, yep. And uh, it, it feels like a baby sometimes, uh, but it is not an actual baby. There is no blood going through the veins of this building. Um, and uh, it's not a person. It doesn't have feelings. Um, whenever people are hurt, it's important to focus on the people. It's important not to get overly protective of your business. It's not the right time. If you want your business to be able to survive a setback and recover, think about how you built your business in the first place. Okay, if you're running a successful business, there is no way, I don't care how good your ads campaign is, I don't care how good your personality is or how good of a musician you are, you cannot build without a successful service, a passionate service, a great service to the public, right? You're caring for people and meeting their needs. So if someone's hurt, focus on the people, take time and make sure the people are okay to the best of your ability and don't worry about the business. That is my advice as far as mindset. If you hit this kind of setback, if you do, then you are the kind of leader that can face uncomfortable things. You can survive. You can get through. You can recover. Mm. Greg, did you, um, you weren't 
I think you said you weren't going to reveal the outcome, but you sort of did in a way. Um, you seem to be in an optimistic and disciplined place now. Is that a fair assessment? Y- yes. Yeah, I think there's a lot of live and learn. You know, I think that when, yeah. when things are very hard and very like when you have to struggle and when things are stressful, painful, you learn fast. And, mm. um, and yeah, I think, I think that I was, th- I was put th- in, in a situation where, um, I was set back. We did lose multiple families from my studio. Yes. It was very stressful for me. It was a huge distraction from everything oh, wow. that I wanted to get done in that quarter. Instead, I had to deal with this thing that, that just landed in my lap. But I will say, on the other end of recovery, I'm stronger than I ever was. And, uh, yeah. and I think that that's, that is what problems can do. Um, if there's any glasses half full to setbacks and challenges and problems, even big ones, is you can come out stronger on the other side. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please... Share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.